Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with Norman Jean of Junk Productions. ASB Marketplace is the first platform where you can buy and sell adult sites and domains for free. ASB Marketplace allows buyers and sellers the chance to come together on properties that are valued below our company's minimum of $50,000. Don't pay for other marketplaces when ASB Marketplace gives you this service for free. Visit ASBMarketplace.com and sign up as a seller or a buyer today. And of course, there's ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage where you can earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer for sale a profitable industry-recognized dating network with a unique channel for genuine female adult dating traffic. The company was launched in 2010. It was nominated Best Dating Program by XBiz in 2012 and AVN in 2013. They've generated nearly 200,000 profiles of real women to the dating network and continue to add approximately 5,500 new women each month through natural search results and unpaid link placement. These women have created sexy profiles and uploaded photos to attract men and most have supplied a government-issued photo ID. These profiles can be imported into any dating or cam network. The network's traffic is 91% direct and 8% organic search. Geo-targeting services run off MaxMind data. They've never marketed to their lists or members outside of their own network of dating sites, so this is a huge opportunity for anyone interested in marketing similar dating offers or other adult content and services. Their main developer is available to continue as a contractor. Only $372,000. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Norman Jean of Junk Productions. Norman, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Thank you, Bruce. I look forward to our conversation. I do too. Now, Norman is the filmmaker behind Junk XXX, a new experimental production company that focuses on creating high-quality, story-based adult content. He splits his time between L.A. and Portland, Oregon. Junk Productions is a relatively new and experimental production company. And Norman, why did you decide to start creating adult content? Mostly opportunity. Um, from a young age, I've been interested in adult content, and I started mm. working on mainstream film sets about mm. five or six years ago, Okay. Um, normally in lighting and grip or camera. And when we were prepping or when we had downtime, a lot of the crew members would talk about various types of content, and of course, adult was included. Mm. And it was just, we agreed that there was a lot of potential that wasn't being explored in adult, perhaps more so than in mainstream. Um, So I put some thought into it um, and I kind of started to figure out a way to express other ideas 
perhaps through adult. Um, a lot of mm-hmm. the adult content, in my opinion, these days um, falls into one of two categories. I guess you can call them genres. The first being amateur, which is basically realistic pornography filmed without too much technical complexity, normally on an iPhone or a laptop computer. Mm -hmm. And it's great. I mean, a lot of this content is really good. It's it's demanded. People love it um, because it is realistic and it's very erotic. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have produced adult content. From what I've seen, a lot of it takes place in this fantasy environment, mm. which I guess you can call slapstick, which is mm-hmm. basically content with characters that kind of exist in a world that is not reality. It's not the mm. world that we know it. Men act differently. Wait a minute. Wait, a minute. You mean, you, wait you, mean, you mean if I'm delivering pizza to this hot chick, she's not going to suck my dick and let me fuck her in the ass? Well, not in my experience. <laughs> So I kind of saw an opportunity to kind of meet a little bit midway and produce something that maybe I would call hyper real, which is basically trying to come off as realistic as possible, yet doing so by leveraging certain Mm -hmm. tools of cinema, um, some of them being cinematography and sound and dramatic structure Hmm. and adding depth to characters and tension, obstacles, stakes, um, Mm -hmm. potential consequences for um, performing some sexual actions. Mm -hmm. Um, So at the end of the day, I think think there's a ton of creative opportunity in the adult space. Hmm. And I feel like that's kind of existed because there is some taboo with a lot of creatives about entering the space. Yeah, And that's something that I've always been attracted to was art that is kind of a little bit taboo art that makes people think and that opens up your mind to new experiences because in that way you could better learn about yourself. Yeah. Um, so I started junk about a year ago. Uh, I guess uh, the first shoot was in September, 2020 and maybe September, October. And since mm-hmm. I've shot about 20 videos, um and every video is different that's why i call it an experimental company um sure we're an experimental production company i don't at at least at this moment in time i'm more interested in exploring certain ideas and certain just creative creative expressions rather than Mm -hmm. focusing on a specific niche which is probably worse for business but true it's more stimulating for me um, at this moment there you go well, I got to say, you know, you sent me some samples and I found your content interesting as heck. And I, I thought it was was very, very good uh, for the viewer. Um, I'm not the normal porn viewer, so maybe um, I'm not the best person to judge. But then again, maybe the normal porn viewer viewer would not be uh, your uh, target audience. Yeah, I I highly doubt it. Um, First of all, there's such a small group, small market of porn viewers that pay for pornography. And then Mm -hmm. within that group, I feel like the audience that is attracted to my type of content is a mere fraction of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So far, the feedback has been really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of a love-hate relationship. There are some (laughs) people that are very loyal that think, 
that, that love watching the content. And there's a lot of yeah. people that think this is the worst thing to happen in adult since its inception. <laughs> Who knows funny. how long ago? I mean, I, I don't read the comments anymore, but some of the comments are absolutely <laughs> horrendous. But I mean, a lot of people reach out and what say, "What did you do like, to my support me?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that know, kind of thing. Because, right? yeah, yeah, because not all of my content is masturbation friendly. So, yeah. if there is a porn viewer that stumbles across a video hoping to get off from that, it's more likely that it's actually going to turn them off than turn them on. In some cases, not in all mm. cases. Um. I mean, you prevent someone from achieving a task; they're going to perceive you as a threat. They're going to be angry. Yeah, you're gonna be yeah. The one angry. I the one I saw that uh, I saw that uh, ends in a double murder. Um, I can't see anybody masturbating to that. No, but but I, I, I'm not going to incorporate any violence that's sexual in nature. That's not right. what I'm interested in. Sure, all the violence that I incorporate is strategically placed in a more in, in the narrative or dramatic mm-hmm. side of it right and that's kind of based on like the, the hyper reality of it is that you're going to think of characters as more realistic when there's actually consequences and when those characters mm-hmm. actually have stakes so if right. some if a female or a woman or what anyone but if if they pursue a sexual act knowing that there's potential consequences and they have something to lose and then that consequence happens i mean it's clearly not a fantasy because something right. similar could easily happen in the real world. Right. So that's one tool, I guess, to help create a more realistic um, story. So how has your experience shooting adult content been so far? It's been good. I mean, I definitely can't complain. It's difficult. Um, coming into this, I would have thought that shooting a sex scene would be simple because hmm. the characters are generally in a specific area that's manageable. It's not like mm-hmm. there's actors running around and going through certain passageways or something like that. Sure. Um, but it, it's really tough. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of impediments um, to doing things with continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the beginning, I mean, you kind of have to cut during the same motion if you want to pick up on it. Um, you have to manage your performers in a way where they could stay aroused, which is ultra difficult. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's definitely a trade-off between going for angles or going for chemistry. Um, hmm. And I haven't found a way to mesh both. So what I generally do now is go for chemistry where in the beginning I would go more for angles where hmm. we, would shoot a, we would shoot a specific angle that made the performers look really good mm-hmm. or that made the frame look really nice. And then we would kind of cut, move a light around or something like that, then pick up. But the last, I would say, seven or eight things I've shot, I've done so with, with complete continuity. So hmm. I just let the, let the performers go at it. And then I'm there with sure. the camera and I maybe in the middle, I have to move some things around here or there, but I generally tend to pick back up where we could edit a continuous take. Okay. Um, if I had more time on set and more prep time, that could definitely change. But right now with the resources I'm working with, it's, our shoots are very quick. Mm. Um, so it's definitely tough. I, I feel like I'm improving every shoot um, as I'm getting sure. experience. 
I give the creatives in the industry that have been working in this industry a lot of credit for putting out the content that they've put out over the past few decades. Oh yeah. Because it is not easy. Um, no. A lot of complications. Yeah. Yeah. And especially just keeping up the chemistry. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of porn viewers, I don't think realize the difficulty that goes into performing sexual acts on camera. It's not just like, two people having sex and a camera guy. I mean, if you, if you want to make it look good, you're going to have to, you're going to have to manipulate the performance a little bit. You're going to have to um, establish um, an environment on set that is very open, very safe, very positive um, and let the performers work in the best way possible. Sure. Sure. Now your content, and you just alluded to this a little bit ago, your content often often focuses on the reality of the consequences of sexual acts. Why not just focus on the fantasy? I think there is more to explore with the fantasy with with the actual idea of fantasy. I mean, mm-hmm. what is fantasy? In a way, some people would define it as something that is a dreamlike or something that's with imagination, but in a way it's mm-hmm. actually a form of control expression. Whereas yeah. humans, we tend to do, to run our decisions based on power. Um, hmm. Whether that means power of ideas or power of uh, physicality hmm. um, and control is a major part of the biological need to express power. Um, and sure. fantasy is a major part of being able to control potentially your, your mood and your attitude and your, your emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like there's a lot that has not been explored in adult content. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're not sh- creating something that's completely in a fantasy world, almost by, by, almost by, removing the fantasy from it but making it a core core part of the actual story mm-hmm. you're showing people that fantasy is deeper than previously thought hmm. interesting so in a way it's kind of an exploration very philosophical fantasy. wow <laughs> i i i mean in one way but in a way it's, it's very simple it's yeah. like if you interrupt someone's fantasy, how do they react? They're going to react in a way and then question why did they react in that way? And then maybe learn a little bit more about themselves from doing that. Interesting. So you hesitate to call your work pornography, but rather adult content. What do you see as the difference? I think pornography at the end of the day is something that appeals to the animal brain where adult content is content that features two people having sex or alluding to some sexual action um, mm-hmm. or two people or, or one person or whatever that is nude, I guess, um, mm-hmm. or, or that entices the viewer sexually or arouses them, stimulates okay. that part of the brain. But you could be aroused. Um, like your animal brain is not the only part that could be aroused. The emotional sure. side of it could also cause arousal. I mean, you see that mm-hmm. in Hollywood with certain things that aren't sex-based at all. You see it with right. uh, violence. You see it with romance. I mean, a rom-com, that's a way to arouse stimulation mm-hmm. out of the brain. 
So I, I would define pornography as something that is focused on appealing to the animal brain. And I think adult content's a, a little bit bigger, whereas um, there's some adult content that's been created over the past maybe five or 10 years that tries to be a little bit more mainstream. It tries to yeah. appeal a little bit more to the emotions or the outer brain of the individual. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I definitely think that there, there's a difference. Um, yeah. But I also hope to find some medium where you could appeal to both. And when I started coming up with what I wanted junk to be, I was really hoping that I would be able to find that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that it's harder than originally thought because yeah. when so much energy is going into that core animal brain to get off, it's very difficult to shift someone someone's perception to something larger than that it's almost mm-hmm. like once someone wants to get off you can't stop it from doing so like that robin williams yeah. quote i don't know the quote specifically but like we only have enough blood in our bodies to either go towards our penis or our genitals or <laughs> to our brain not both i'm sure whatever i'm sure whatever whatever he said it was hilarious i remember seeing him in a, in one man show uh quite a few years before he passed and uh that man was brilliant man was absolutely brilliant by the way there's also yeah. been uh, an effort more and more platforms are targeting their content towards women would you say that your content is targeted more towards women than uh, normal normal porn maybe in a way um I definitely am interested in exploring that. I mean, mm-hmm. women definitely react very differently. Their brains react very differently in a sexual right. setting where uh, the man's brain is more about the physicality um, and the woman's brain, their body and their mind kind of has to connect in order to achieve arousal and sexual right. stimulation. Um, so, I mean, that could definitely be a factor that's limiting for the content as of now is that I am trying to appeal to a a straight male in a way, Mm -hmm. because that's what I know. I mean, I, I kind of shoot content that I would like. Um, that's, that's how I create things, Hmm. but I definitely think that there, there's definitely something to that. Um, maybe you need to bring in some some female, maybe you need to bring in some female co-producers. I would love that. I've been, actually, I've been trying to find a female performer to be a partner in this production company for mm-hmm. a while. Um, even before I started, when I went to XBiz uh, before COVID 2019, I guess, that was one of my main goals. But I wasn't mm-hmm. able to find someone that um, our goals or creative values aligned. But that's mm-hmm. definitely something that I'm ultra open to in the future. Yeah. Because I think that the combination of um, the male and female perspective is crucial mm-hmm. to creating adult content that's more universal. Yeah, absolutely. So where would you like to see adult content go in the future? I would like to see, well, I, I like what a lot of people are doing um, on the pornography side. And mm-hmm. I like, I mean, like Disciples of Desire, for instance, I think mm-hmm. they kind of created their own niche in the one side of the spectrum that's would I would consider pornography or appealing to the animal brain with their visuals, with their rawness. Um, it's, it's hardcore. That's not 
it's dirty, but it's not, it's, it's, it's high class in a way, which I really like. Um, on the other hmm. end, you have producers like, like the adult time originals or lust, um, mm-hmm. or transsensual that are definitely trying to go the more mainstream route and appeal to emotions. And mm-hmm. I think that w- the industry is making good progress. Um, I think the goal, the end goal that I would love is that if there is a type of adult content that could be created that could end up on Netflix um, hmm. or that could end up, end up on Amazon Prime yeah. because that would Wouldn't that be open cool? up. Yeah, that would open up a brand new market. And I think that there's potential there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in 2020, if you look at like the top 15 or top 20 titles on Netflix, Mm-hmm. Three of them were incredibly sexual. Mm. Um, one of them was Love by Gaspar Noé, mm-hmm. um, which was a movie that was shot a few years ago, well, mm-hmm. a few years before 2020. But for some reason, people were, I guess, during quarantine, <laughs> they were mm. looking for something more sexual. So yeah. that was viewed a ton. And then Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac, which was a two-part movie, like four mm. and a half, five hours in total. It was Jeez. incredibly sexual. I mean, mm. there was real sex going on. What they, what they did was they actually used European porn performers and then the VFXed um, a mainstream performer's face. Mm. Uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you watch Nymphomaniac and there's artifices going into artifices. Um, and it's extremely it erotic. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely erotic. It appeals to both the emotional part of the brain. It appeals to the animal brain. And mm-hmm. there's something that he was able to explore um, that was incredibly universal to the mm-hmm. human experience. Cool. So what are some impediments that restrict progress in the adult space? Yeah, I think I think the impediments are strong that hold that, hold that back. Um, how the industry is set up, and for good reason, is to protect the exploitation in many cases of mm-hmm. performers. Right. Um, because they're vulnerable. I mean, when you hire someone that is going to on camera strip naked and do something that's very private, um, a very private part of them, there's a lot of vulnerability and you need mm-hmm. certain types of systems and certain types of structures to make them feel as secure as possible. I mean, it's very difficult to create content and plan content that is a little bit more complicated because of time and money. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally, when you hire a performer, you get them for a certain rate for the day. That's a certain amount of hours. Um, In some cases, you could send them scripts beforehand and talk to them. Um, but mm-hmm. it's, you don't have that same pre-production window as you do with something mainstream generally. And sure. that's based on the economics of the industry. I'm not yeah. an expert on this. I mean, I've only been selling my content for about six or seven months, but from what I see, you need to create content very frequently in order to build your market. Mm-hmm. And f- when you have to, when you're, when you're pressured to create frequent content, you have to spend less time and less resources on each specific piece of content, which means that there's it's just true. less development time. Right. Um, I mean, Nymphomaniac, um, Lars von Trier wrote that. I don't know how long it took him to wrote it. I assume 
it was like the idea was at least in his brain for at least a year. In the pre-production period, probably took six to eight months. And then they were probably shooting for two or three months. Right. So of course, that's a long that's a long movie. But I mean, the amount of thought and resources that and um, collaboration that went into that is unheard of in adult because the economics sure. are just completely different. Yes. So I I think that that will change if slowly adult is able to make progress more to the mainstream. If there's distribution channels mm-hmm. that could hit more eyes um, through these streaming services, I think that that would open up a lot of potential opportunity to put more resources and spend more time in specific pieces of content. Sure. And don't believe for a second that the executives aren't aware of what you just said about, uh, you know, three of the top 10 being uh, sexual movies. They know. Yeah. I forgot the third one, but it was that, um, it was like, right. uh, yeah, the one that came out, it was kind of like uh, 50 shades of gray, but like the Italian mm-hmm. version. Mm. Nice. Well, and we know how 50 shades did. So yeah. why does so much porn look the same? Um, you know, I think I recently figured, or, or at least got some insight into it. Um, I was talking to someone else and he said the difference between porn and erotica is the lighting. And <laughs> in a way I agreed, but then I'm like, well, it's not really the lighting. Lighting, it, that's a side effect of the difference. Whereas mm-hmm. what you're really doing with camera and lighting and a visual is that you're giving the audience something to focus on. Mm-hmm. Because when you focus on something, you're 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 able to. I hate the term manipulate, but that's kind of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so when you're filming something that's more like pornography that appeals to the animal brain, I mean the f- the, the the physical aspects of that focus are really what's important. So you're going to have a lot of just lighting from the front, or soft lighting, or lighting that really shows the person's body without shadow, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But when you're creating content that appeals more to the emotion, you're going to generally change the lighting to help focus the audience's attention on specific parts of the performers and create a mood. So you might shift the lighting from the front to the back or to the sides to create shadows on the face and attract the viewer to the eyes of the performer rather than hmm. the penis of vagina, the ass or the body. Um, and then if you're trying to create a mood where there's some conflict or whether that's internal conflict or external conflict, it's going to be very difficult to do that. If you're going to light to highlight a physical body. I mean, you kind of see mm-hmm. that in like comedy, like curb your enthusiasm or like a Will Ferrell movie is that, mm-hmm. or like a Seinfeld. The lighting is generally very flat and it looks like a sitcom. Sure. Um, but you won't see a drama that looks like that. I mean, take the movie Arrival or something. Some uh, uh, w- when you're appealing to emotion, you ha- generally you want to establish conflict because conflict leads to change, and that, that leads to figuring out truth. Hmm. So, and that, I'm that learning a lot here. That's interesting. Core of an exploration. Yeah. yeah. So very interesting. I think that as yeah, I mean, I think that as adult moves more into um, more closer to the mainstream, um, to mainstream narrative, main, mainstream drama, I think you're going to definitely see a change of lighting. Um, and then also a lot of it comes down to technical ability. Um, it took me, 
I mean, I've been working with camera and lighting since high school, which was four, 12, 14 years ago. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, longer than that, about 15 years. So mm-hmm. I probably have at least a decade of experience with photography and lighting um, that I'm able to bring onto set and be able to create a look that I'm in control of without any crew. Um, I feel like a lot of adult content, the shift from something that is more pornography to something that is a little bit more mainstream is somewhat new and people are still learning and trying to figure out how to get the look that they're trying to achieve. Hmm. So what prevents a creator from improving the look and feel and making it appear more like a mainstream narrative content? Is it, is it mostly money? Um, maybe money is the wrong word. It's, it's resources are definitely a huge factor. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the credits at the end of a movie that looks good and there's hundreds, if not thousands of people on it. Mm. And each of those people are, are doing something for the look, even the producers. I mean, the location manager, that's a huge part of it. I mean, sure. without a good location, it's ridiculously difficult to make something look good. Right. Um, that doesn't mean it needs to be like a ridiculously complicated location. You look at like the movie, that marriage story, they shot in an all white one, two bedroom apartment and they mm. made it look good. But that location was still instrumental. Right. Um, also, Robbie Ryan is one of the greatest cinematographers that ever existed. <laughs> um, so resources are definitely a part of it. Um, but I think what's more important almost is the creative desire to do something that looks that has an emotional pull. Um, mm. If you're trying to create a specific emotion that's not just erotic, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that tries to create a mood and a tonality, um, you're going to explore the light with how lighting impacts that more. Um, so part of it is definitely based on resources, money, time, crew. Um, there's definitely some, like when I should generally, I shoot alone. So the lighting is never perfect. It's very rare that it's perfect. I would always, if I had crew and if I had time, I could improve it on every single shot, a hundred percent. Sure. But you have to come up with a medium. Okay, well, if I shift the light there, if I have to rig it up there, that's going to take an hour. So no, I'm not mm. going to be able to do that. But if I move the light there and use that or that type of stand or put some diffusion on it or use a specific accessory, I mean, I can create something that looks decent in five, 10 minutes. Mm. Um, and then it's also during the actual sex scene, how long do you want to make the actors wait um, yeah. when you're changing angles? How long do um, you expect the guy to, to keep it hard? Yeah, that's a huge part of it. So Big like, time. what I what I generally do, like the last thing I shot, I just lit from above. I mean, I put two bulbs up above the performers and I put china balls, put them in like china balls to, to soften them up. And then I put some black around the china balls to stop the spill off the wall. And I didn't have hmm. to change the lighting at all. Wow. And that soft light from above is probably the key of making it look cinematic and cutting time. Something like... <laughs> you would see in um, House of Cards or okay. like a modern David Fincher movie or a David Fincher series. What they do mm-hmm. is that they put big soft boxes above the set and then black on the sides to skirt it off the wall. And maybe on close-ups, they'll bring in a light and they'll create some modeling on a face. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is so simple. But to get that, you're having 30 or 40 people come in before set with ladders and yeah. they're building um, what's it called? It's on the ceiling uh, frames on the ceiling to hang lights from and electricians right. 
are using generators and <laughs> cable ties and all this stuff. So it's it's definitely it's definitely difficult. But the more sure. resources put into it, the more the content is trying to appeal towards emotion, the better the look of the content is going to be. Right. So what are some lessons you've learned since working in adult? There is definitely a lot. I've definitely become better at like set management um, mm-hmm. of working with performers, which is a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've kind of shifted the content a little bit to match what, the, the feedback I'm getting from the audience, um, which I'm not so sure is a good thing or a bad thing yet. Hmm. Um, I think that there's a lesson that I'm starting to learn that I'm, I'm not exactly sure how to perceive, but I think that when you're making adult content, there's a specific power of the content that mainstream doesn't have that power. Mainstream has a different power. Mainstream has power over your emotions, mm-hmm. but you could create some adult content that could definitely fuck some people up. Hmm. Um, you can make them like you can make content that makes them think that certain things are um, acceptable. You hmm. can make people think sure. that certain things are um, approved or even desired by yeah. a woman. That's true, and, and that has that, happened. That, yeah, y- yeah. So I definitely think that, like, before I got into porn, you asked me, "Do ethics and art have anything to do with another?" I would have said, "No, there's no room for ethics and art." And in a way, I kind of still believe that. But I think pornography, when you're, when you're making pornography or adult content, I think you have to take some responsibility for it. So if you're going to show something that you think could be damaging to an audience and, and impact them negatively, I'm fine with showing it as long as you're discussing it with them at some point. Like I, I heard that, I haven't actually seen this in person, but I've heard that um, Brie Mills on some of her productions afterwards sits down and like has an interview and talks about the content and hmm. what can go wrong with it or how yeah. it should be perceived and how the actors are just acting and all this stuff. Sure. Um, so I think there's, there's definitely more responsibility that an adult content creator should take. That doesn't mean that they should be prevented from exploring the things that they want to explore because that freedom is ridiculously important to the progress yes. of the human race. Right. Um, but I think there's a way to do it in a, in a healthy way. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So networking is a big part of growth. Who would you like to connect with in the adult space and how can you offer value to them? Yeah. So I basically have two goals. Um, my first goal is to, able to create content my own content with more resources right now like i mentioned most of my shoots i'm i'm the only person on set alongside the performers and it definitely restricts what i'm able to do um, and what i'm able to explore so i would love to connect with um, an investor or a partner that would like to explore this experimental type of adult content with me Mm. um and secondly, I would love to be utilized by other producers and directors in the adult industry to help them achieve um, and create content that is good quality mm-hmm. and is closer to what they really want to explore. I mean, hmm. I would love to take my experience in mainstream and help other pro- producers and directors um, 
create their own content. So next year, I'm definitely going to look to uh, potentially shoot for other companies right. um, with larger budgets than what I have myself. And that could mean as a director, that could mean as a cinematographer slash mm. like production designer. So we'll see where it leads. But yeah. I definitely think, I, I definitely want to be a part of the growth of this industry because I think yeah. that there's a lot of really beneficial valuable things that will happen over the next few decades. Yeah. Um, and I look forward to it. Yeah. I should mention we're doing this early in December and it's going, going to run in the spring of, uh, of 2022. Um, you know, and obviously part of that is, is going to shows and talking to people. Yeah, definitely. So I'll be at, um, XBiz 2022. See, see you there. Yeah, and Internext, um, and I guess see I'll do there. the virtual AVN. Yeah. So, It'll already happen when this runs, but I'll see you there, definitely. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's always great to connect with others in the industry because, yes. you know, a lot of people that are in the industry kind of perceive the people that work in adult as being something. And that yeah. something is so different from what they actually are. And oh, I was absolutely. guilty of that also. I mean, before I got into the industry, I definitely made assumptions about the types of people that worked in the industry and everything. <laughs> And I, the first event that I went to was the um, uh, Vice is Nice party hmm. in uh, Chatsworth. It's okay. run, I, I forgot her name, but it's a charitable event that's run by the former uh, president of Penthouse. Ah, um, okay. And it was so cool. It was such a cool event because oh, yeah. not only did I see people that I, I knew their work because I've seen them before, Everyone was so nice. You were so accepting. You were friendly. Yep. Uh, not with the ego that you would get in, like, if you <laughs> go to like a Hollywood party or anything like that, where people are scared to talk <laughs> to some ima- people. Then I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, if if you're someone that isn't famous and you go up to someone that is, I mean, every single person at the party is going to turn their head and observe the reaction. Yeah. Like, is she going to just this? Right. It's insane. The politics. Oh sure, in, I understand. In, in, in mainstream, and yeah. it's it, it's not comfortable. I mean, it's not no. it's not real. Whereas not. I felt that it's in the adult industry, <laughs> yeah, it's LA. But th- there's definitely something of like a camaraderie because it's such a small industry where yep. people and are just like, and we're under attack. So it's not only yeah. it's a small industry; it's there's so much noise from the outside that we pull together and we become a family. Yeah. And the intelligence is crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I've met so many people in adult that are so smart and such shrewd business people. Oh, thank you. And no, I'm philosophical. <laughs> no, for sure. Bruce. And so philosophical indeed <laughs> and have their shit together in a way there are that many. is there are many. rare to find. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. like in a way, if you get into this industry, especially as a performer, but you kind of have to have developed certain understandings about yourself mm-hmm. and certain habits that allow you to remain sane yep. um, while doing this. And that generally means that a lot of the people have put a lot of work into themselves. Yep. And when that happens, you generally have a healthy environment. Sure. Absolutely. So who have been some of your favorite collaborators thus far? Yeah. Um, as agents, Mark Schechter has been great. He's been a huge help, especially awesome. early on. Um, Good man. He's always on top of his game, always mm-hmm. eager to help. Sandra from OC mm-hmm. Modeling is is great. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I work with them basically exclusively now because they just make my life so much easier. And mm-hmm. their roster is awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they have so, combined uh, like both companies. I mean, mm-hmm. especially in Los Angeles, there's so many different types of performers that always yeah. show up on time and are hmm. professional. Right. And then if something happens the night before or whatever, I mean, they're always there to find solutions. Yeah, Mark, um, uh, I remember when Mark uh, was starting his company um, a- after he sold his previous company. And, uh, it's, oh, man, it's come a long way. It's been about 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Who else? Performers. Um, Vanna Bardot was mm-hmm. the star of my first two. So mm. I give, she was awesome. I love mm-hmm. her. She's an amazing, amazingly talented performer. And mm-hmm. I'm grateful that she was willing to come on with a new, a, a completely new director. Mm. Um, which was kind of a little bit unexpected because she's been in the industry a long time and mm-hmm. she's shot up. I mean, I think that she's nominated this year um, for performer of the year. I think Great. she has, a, she definitely has some big nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so Van has been in two of my productions. Um, I loved, I mean, everyone that I've worked with has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chloe Capri has a, a ton of talent. Not mm-hmm. just a talent with adult, but I think she has a lot of mainstream potential also, and I would love mm-hmm. to see her try and leverage that. Um, mm-hmm. As for male performers, um, I've worked with Chris Blackwood multiple times, who mm-hmm. I really like. Um, ultra professional, has a great body, has a great face, um, good actor. Um, he's great. Um, Giovanni Francesco, I've worked with twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm definitely going to work with him again. Um, he's with ATM and he has a look to him. that's very unique. Um, kind of like a GI Joe look, <laughs> um, kind of like a, a Ken, like the Barbie and Ken, but he's an amazing <laughs> performer is incredibly, ha- has incredible depth sure. um, with what he could do. Um, Scotty P I worked with him once, but I'm working mm-hmm. with him on a project in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, who is awesome. I mean, my favorite scene I've ever shot, I think was with Scotty P Hmm. and uh, a female performer, Taylor Nicole, that Hmm. is, uh, she represents herself, but she is awesome. I mean, the amount of energy that she put into the scene was insane. Any other, I don't think I could have done that project. Um, It's called the day in the hood. I don't think I could have done that project casting the way that I wanted to, if I casted anyone other than those two, Scotty P and Taylor Nicole. Um, So, I mean, I like to explore performers because I haven't been doing this that long. So I want to use new girls and I want to use new guys because it helps me grow my network. Sure. And it's fun meeting new people. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I no one that I've worked with yet has been an issue. Everyone's been great. So I'm grateful for that. You know, I wanted to ask you a question. You've worked in mainstream a lot and now you've worked in adult a bit. Um, how's the acting ability of the adult performers? Yeah, I think it's better per capita really? than mainstream by hmm. a solid margin. Yeah. Interesting. I think that the reason why adult performers get a lot of shit for acting is a few reasons. One, well, there's not as much prep. Two, there's not as much complexity in the characters. And it's true. how could you act when you don't deeply understand a character? Yeah. I mean, in, in a way, what acting good acting is, it's like 
you have a you have the story of a person or a character. When whatever you're making, let's say you have a feature movie. Okay, well that's a hundred, hundred twenty pages of, fit, uh, of story. What the actor brings to the table is that they're able to express to the audience the other five hundred pages of that story mm-hmm. that are not presented in the movie through their eyes. Mm-hmm. Whereas the audience understands that character through the character or the actor's understanding of that character. And mm-hmm. that's projected to us through their eyes generally and through, of course, through their voice and through their actions and their body language and everything, but mostly through the eyes. So mm-hmm. it's like you cannot expect a good performance out of an actor if there's no character depth and if there's no intention or obstacle of a scene, if there's no clear desire. Um, and a lot of that takes time. I mean, Sure. I, I, I'm working on a mainstream project right now <clears throat> with an adult performer um, that I'm really excited about. And we're meeting at least once or twice a week to just talk about character for three hours wow. sometimes. And we're literally creating a whole life for this character <laughs> since early, early, early childhood. We're talking about five years old up until the current age, it's like 35. Mm. And we're getting a complete understanding of the backstory of intentions, of trauma, of the ego, the identity. And is all that going to be in the movie? No, of course not. A very, 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 very small part of that is. But understanding that character is incredibly important for not only the writing process, but also the acting process. Absolutely. So what are your plans for uh, junk productions going forward? Um, I hope, I mean, the plan is to keep on making experimental content, Mm -hmm. Um, hopefully getting more resources to be able to expand on that content um, to make it longer, to make it more complicated or not complicated, but more complex Mm -hmm. um, and to make it look and sound much better than it currently does. Um, the goal is to make it as good as anything that I would do mainstream and put resources into it. Um, sure. I'm planning two productions over the next few weeks. One of them is a trans um, production that I mm-hmm. love. I think it's really interesting. I'm not going to spoil it, but it's so different from anything that you've ever seen. Okay. Um, and then another one is kind of an adult take on a scene of a mainstream movie. Uh, from Bad Lieutenant with Nicolas Cage, Bad Lieutenant Port of Call, hmm. not the Harvey not the Harvey Keitel one, okay. um, and it's such an erotic scene, just the mainstream version of it. So I'm like, you know what? Sometimes the best ideas are just stealing something from mainstream and Absolutely. making it Absolutely. So yeah. sometimes the best thing you can do is just steal it. <laughs> yeah, especially an adult. I mean, that makes my life a lot easier. And, and yeah. of course, you're putting your own thing on it, but just like the the core of the idea is uh, sometimes, I mean, that's how you expand on anything. I mean, good, good art or good content. All it is, in my opinion, is really change. As long as you're doing something Mm -hmm. different, you're, you're, you're creating art. Um, So if you take something that's been done before, but then you add your flair and try and take it a step further, that's art. I mean, that's, that's progress. Sure. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Sure. I mean, some of the greatest stories ever told are like Macbeth, but modern version, or, right. um, or the Bible, but a modern version, or the story of Exodus, or whatever. Um, story is very, in, it's very deeply rooted in our psyche. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a monument. There's people that, like Joseph Campbell would argue that every story is the same at the core. In a way, he's right. Um, an adult is kind of no different. It's just right. a little bit focused on something that's different than mainstream. Absolutely. Well, Norman, I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk. I hope we'll have a chance to do this again really soon. Thank you. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. My broker tip today is part six of how to buy an adult website. Last week, we talked about the sales agreement. So now both you and the seller have signed the agreement. What comes next? There needs to be an escrow setup where you send the money, whether it be a one-time payment or a deposit if you're going to be making payments. This is done about half the time these days. The seller, for their part, puts the assets of the sale into escrow, namely the domains being sold and any other tangible assets that can be put into escrow. Your attorney can give you more information on that. We recommend escrow domains for escrows. They're a firm out of Washington, D.C., and no, they're not paying me to say this. I just use them, trust them, and I'm delighted by the work they've done for us. Either an escrow agreement will be drawn up by them in the case of a custom escrow, or if it's a simple one, it can be set up on their website. Then you, the buyer, the seller, and the broker will be contacted by escrow domains with further instructions, such as wiring information. The escrow is opened, and either the deal closes within a matter of a few days, or an inspection period is allowed. It all depends on what the agreement calls for. Whether you need an inspection period really depends on whether there's still some information you need to find out prior to the deal closing. Your broker and your attorney can advise you more on this, and it's on a case-by-case basis. Then the money is transferred, as are all the domains, and the deal is closed. Now, in many cases, in fact, most of the time, the seller either stays on board for a period of time to help with the transition or is at least available on an on-call basis to answer questions. This is something most buyers should ask for. But at this point, you pretty much own the website. So what do you do now? We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week, we'll be speaking with Ari and Katie from Adult Model Mentors. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Norman Jean from Junk Productions. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.